Welcome to the Providence Podcast. We hope you enjoy this message by Nathan Herndon. If you'd like to stay connected, download our app Providence Community from your phone's app store or visit our website at providencecommunity.org. I'm so sticky today. Um, everything's sticking to me. Am I hot too, Jordan? All right. It's not the same when Jordan says it. Uh, it's good. Good to see everybody today. Uh, it's just wonderful seeing you. Um, thanks for being here. I, I didn't know, like with the hurricanes coming up the coast and us worshiping outside in this tent, you never quite know uh, what uh, is going to happen to us. But here we are today. Amen. It's so good to see you all. My, how in the world are you doing? It's good to see you. Portellis is back there. Yeah. Let's hear for the Portelluses back there. Good. I want to I share, just start out just sharing a, a good report that um, many of you know that our, our executive pastor, Mike Corson, um, has transitioned off, and he's doing great at a church in Lidditz. Um, I've talked to him. He's doing wonderful, and we still honor him from here. And I, I think that what, what we want to do is we want to bring him back in, um, maybe under this tent, and we want to actually be able to say goodbye to him, even though he's already left. We couldn't do that during the quarantine. So we're going we're gonna to do that. He's such a sweet little man. Uh, he's had a big, huge impact in the kingdom, and he and I are just still uh, wonderful friends. You guys remember Mike? You remember him? Okay. All right. I do want to tell you this, though, that we, uh, we did send a, a team of three very manly but very powerful men down to Atlanta, Georgia, to pick up uh, our, our new um, upgraded um, Mike Corson, <laughs> and, and his name is Phil Payne. Okay, and so um, he is going to be with us next week. He starts this week, and this is a man that I cannot wait for you to get to know. Um, he uh, has actually, well, well, we'll give you his bio next week, all right? Just know that um, he is just a wonderful, wonderful, wonderful person. I cannot wait for you to get to know him. He has three children. His wife's name is Kara, and then he has, he has three uh, children named, let me get this right, Olive, Ocean, and Phoenix, all right? And uh, this is a powerhouse family. You're, uh, you're going to have to take my word for it, and you're about to see it. I think that what God is doing is God is, is taking, God, Mike Corson for a season really blessed us, but God is just constantly upgrading in every season. And so that is what God is doing right now. And so these are going to be beautiful days. We have gone through 2020 without an executive pastor. Um, and so we're about to have one, which makes me very excited because I'm a horrible one, all right? So I'm a very horrible executive pastor. It's not my calling. Um, so we're about uh, to have this. Are you guys excited about Philip Payne, too, just a little bit? I know you don't know him, but you, you'll, inter- you'll see him soon. So I went next week, we're going to introduce he and his family, Kara. Is his wife, Olive Ocean in Phoenix, and we're going to bless them. We're going to pray over them, and, and you will see how wonderful they are, um, it, you know, and uh, firsthand as you see them, we're going we're gonna to bless them. Um, this morning, guys, I got to be honest with you, um, I, didn't, I didn't know that I was preaching today until not even 24 hours ago, okay? The person who was supposed to be speaking was Kelly Latta. She's pretty crazy good. Um, and uh, she, we talked yesterday morning, and uh, a, a few things happened which made it impossible for her to preach today. Um, and so um, you have to be, the Bible says to be ready in, se- in season and out of season, correct? Yeah. Right? And the Bible also says that Jesus is our righteousness, he's our perfection. We don't have to be perfect, amen? Yeah. All right? And so uh, this morning, you've got the raw version of me. Um, I, I had a... I, we've been praying for my neighbors for 15 years. We've been in our house for 15 years. We've been praying for our neighbors. And interestingly enough, 
uh, the neighbors to her left, I was able to do their daughter's wedding and reach out to them. And they started coming to Providence online through the quarantine, all right? They walked over to our house one day and just handed a tithe check. <laughs> I'm like, wow, thanks. You know, uh, we handed it back. It wasn't written to us, okay? We handed that in. Uh, they're, they're, uh, but God's touching our neighbors, and they're wonderful. The neighbors on the other side, um, I just did their wedding yesterday, okay? And uh, they're beginning to come to Providence after they get off their honeymoon, right? They're a couple older, uh, in, the, in their 50s, but as, lo- as in love as, as silly teenagers, all right? And it's so good to see what God is doing. So I hear yesterday morning that I'm preaching today, but I've got a wedding all day long. So here's what I did, guys. I got up this morning and I said, yo, Jesus, what's up? <laughs> what in the world do you want me to tell these precious people about? I just discovered I'm preaching. I haven't had any time to prepare. What do you want me to say? And so what I did is I, I went back in my, uh, in my notes, and I saw that the very first sermon that I preached in 2020, which has been an awesome year, hasn't it? Yeah. Hasn't been really fun. It's been all giggly. Um, I saw a, a picture online that said if 2020 was a car, and it was a banged up like 1992 uh, Honda Civic, taped together, all right? And I said, if 2020 was a car, this is what it would be. And this has been a rough uh, year. But here's what I said at the beginning of 2020, before there was such thing as the coronavirus and quarantines and all these things. I said this, um, God, this is what I wrote in my notes. God has good plans for 2020. Um, He's gonna pioneer revival. He's gonna build people. We're gonna become family. It's not gonna be easy, and for some reason, I I had this in all caps, and I made it in bold, and I put it in orange, all right? It's not gonna be easy. Some of the good will require repentance. Some of the good will require removal of convenience. Was I I hearing from God a little bit? Just a little, we're in the tent, right? Um, uh, Some of the good will uh, will require a, a, a new seeking of God. Some of the good will require deliverance. That's what I wrote. You can go back and listen to this sermon. I'm not making this up, all right? And then I, then I said, 2020 will be a year where God will no longer let us fake it till we make it. God is, God is getting straight to the heart. He's exposing the source of our strength. He, he's calling us deeper. He's calling us realer. He's making us better. I, th- I think that maybe I was on to something. This morning I read that, I'm like, wow, God, at the start of the quarantine, one of the words that God really put on my heart was that, Nathan, this is, this is a refiner's fire season. Do you know what a refiner's fire is? As a refiner's, uh, refiners take precious, uh, precious materials like silver and like gold, and what they do is they supply heat to this precious material. And as, as the, the precious material heats, it liquefies, and as it liquefies, all the impurities come to the top, so the fire is actually making it more pure, and that is what God is doing in this season. He's purifying his church. He's making us a, a, uh, a, a bride that is, is going after him in a new way, but let me tell you practically how this quarantine season started uh, for me. Do you, do you remember the very first time we had to go live? 
or actually we, we didn't go live, we actually recorded, then we broadcasted on a, on a Sunday evening at the very beginning of the quarantine. Um, do you guys remember that? We came to you from my living room, I sat on a stool, I think I talked about peace or something, I was scared to death, I was talking about peace, remember that? Um, we, we piled a bunch of, a bunch of young people uh, in my house and, and we, we, we had to just purchase new equipment that we didn't know how to use and so it's, things are going crazy. And I remember, uh, many of you didn't know this, but while I sat on a stool uh, in my living room with a bunch of uh, people giving me thumbs up and screaming things and nobody knowing really what was going on, what the future held, would this be one week, two weeks, three, is this how church would now be? Um, we, we, nobody really could see the future except we all still believed that God was going to pioneer revival in our hearts despite our circumstances. Um, as, I, as I sat on that stool in my living room and as I spoke that first word, you've got to know that the context surrounding that first service was my house or my basement in particular was filling with sewage, literally. I'm not being spiritual here. I'm saying like sewage was entering my house through the basement. Um, I, uh, it was, our whole house was backing up. So, you know, I had a bunch of young guys in my house and they were using the restroom in my house and every time they'd flush, I would hear water running through the walls, not through the pipes of my house. I'm preaching about peace. And man, there, there goes some peace right now, right down the wall. Wow, wow. And I'm all Jesus, and peace comes from Jesus, not me. I, and I, I was living it. But not only that, and this is really serious, and I'm sorry to drop this one on you, but right before I got on camera, I get a phone call from my mom that says, Graham just died. And so I preached my first message of this quarantine, knowing that five minutes ago, my Graham just died, and Philip led worship, his Graham too, in the same capacity. Got sewage in my house. I've got someone that is the most precious to me in the entire world dying, and this is right on the heels of my stepdad dying just a year and a half ago. And life was so crazy, I haven't been able to mourn either one of those losses. Uh, I, I had, little did I know that this season was us and you and me, but, but I, I am still in this equation, that little did I know that we were walking into the most difficult season, maybe in world history, I know for me, in my entire ministry, hands down, you take all of the challenges I've ever had in 21 years of ministry. I'm a veteran now at this, all right? I'm not, I'm not much better, I've just been doing it a long time, all right? Still figuring it out. But you take 21 years of ministry and you combine all of the challenges and they don't come close to what I have been challenged with right now. Do you know that going to online church has been exhausting? And we've been doing it, but the guys in the back here need hugs, kisses, and $100 bills and cash, cash with no questions asked, all right? But it's been really hard for us too. I don't know if you've ever tried preaching multiple sermons over and over and over again in front of a camera, but it's just not the same. It's been really hard. It's been really exhausting. We've been operating in ministry with our, with, with, kind of with our heads underwater this whole time. And not to make things worse, but uh, we lost the middle school. And so we had to think, okay, <laughs> we're online. We're not gonna be online forever. We're in the middle of a multi-million dollar building project, <laughs> that we, but we can't use that. We lost the school now. What do we do? We think Jesus said, buy a tent. 
voila. <laughs> hey, whoa, whoa, how, how did this get here? This tent just got here. But this tent cost 40 grand. And during a hard season, the leadership of the church did not ask you all for a diamond to that. We figured it out. So we wouldn't burden a church that was going through a global tragedy more. And a few people from this church covered the whole bill. And here we are. Here we are. Transitioning Mike in the middle of a building project. Everything is spinning around. And these things that I just shared with you are only the cute ones. They're just the, the one. These are the problems you cuddle with. I can't even get into the real stuff. This season has been wild. And so when I looked at my notes this morning, I looked at what God spoke to me at the beginning of the year and then how it started breaking out on our lives, knowing that these things will not be used for our demise, but for our good. But for our good. When I started looking at these, here's what I heard Jesus say this morning, like almost like in testimony fashion, okay? Just like this isn't going to be like a, a teaching where we delve. This is just going to be testimony fashion with my next few moments that I have in front of you. I really feel like Jesus said, tell them how you're still standing. Just tell them how you're still standing. So I want to let you know that right away, I know how I'm still standing today. I know that I know that I know it is. I didn't even have to think for a second. I didn't have to dig deep. I didn't have to pray about it. I didn't have to ask my wife. I didn't have to have a family meeting. I didn't have to call anybody. I know how I'm still standing today. It's very interesting. The way that I'm standing is honestly something that is so devalued in the church. It should be very valued. But it's actually... The way that I'm standing is what we've called shallow. But the way that I'm standing is actually, I've found through experience, has not been shallow. It's actually been an anchor for me to step here and stay here without running. The, the way that I'm still standing is just this. The love of God. The love of God. The love of God. Oh, we need to hear less of the love of God. More of the wrath of God. Well, that's fun when you're angry. <laughs> but the thing is, for God, that mercy triumphs over wrath. The thing is, for God, is that God doesn't want to change us by making us scared of him. That's how I train my dog. All right? I take the, I, I take the what, 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 do you, what do you call it? The, the alpha position, and whack, listen to me now, Right? That is not how God wants to lead his church. That is not, God so loved the world that he gave his only son. He wants to take the whack and he wants to lead us with his love. So as I preached on the love of God, there has been an outcry for more depth. But I want to tell you now that I really think that God wants to show us the depth that is actually in the love of God. That th this, this is the depth. Listen, church that there is a massive correlation between victorious living and standing in moments that seem impossible to stand and living in the love of God. There's a correlation between both of those. If your victories are coming from any other source other than I know that I know that I know that I know that God loves me and loves me and loves me, 
then your victories are not real and they will not last. Romans chapter 8 verse 37 says this, in all these things, what are all these things? Quarantines, deaths, fill in the blank. In all these things, we are more than conquerors. How? Through our faithful obedience to Jesus? No. Through him who loved us. That's how we gain victory. And the love of God will change our hearts in such a way that we will begin to obey God from love, not from fear, effort, striving, and trying. In all these things, we are more than conquerors. How? Through him who loved us. We receive from God. He has no, we have nothing he needs. He is not asking us to do some stuff for him. That's much Christianity that we've been taught, but it is a powerless Christianity to stand in storms. In all these things, we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. Galatians chapter 2.20 says, It is no longer I who live, but Christ in me who loved me. How do you live for Christ? You have to attach your heart and your whole everything to the love of God. How do I die to myself and be raised to him? You've got to know that God's loved you into that position and into that place. John 3, 16, God so loved the world that he gave his only son that whoever believes in him will not have perish but have everlasting life. And this life starts now for the believers. You don't become a son or a daughter eventually. You are one immediately when you put your faith in Jesus and the life starts now. How does it start? God so loved so loved, so loved, so loved is how Psalm 63, 3, your steadfast love is better than life. And this is how we fight against sin. The love, what would you rather have? All the stuff that the world can send your way or the steadfast love of God? Make your pick. Every sin is a small lie, a small promise. You can have this. You can have this, but the Christian says the steadfast love of the Lord is better than life. I would rather have him. Whatever life throws at you is never as bad as God is good. And this is how we fight our battles. Ephesians chapter 3, verses 17 to 19, Paul was praying for the church, and here's his prayer, that you being rooted and grounded in love may have strength. So a church that doesn't know the love of God will always be weak and will not have strength to endure. This is opposite of what religion teaches us. So religion teaches us that love is the icing on the cake. Love is the cherry on top. It doesn't really matter. It's just nice. But I'm telling you right now that the love of Christ is the anchor to your strength, says the Bible. So I want to talk to you just for a few moments about three specific things that love does. Okay, not that those weren't specific enough. All right, am I still with you? I'm kind of dizzy right now. I don't know why. <laughs> Whoa, <laughs> screaming and sweating in front of people. That'll do that. Well, I want to talk to you about three specific things that love does. And here's the first thing that love silences lies. When you push into it, oh, thank you. Did you drink out of this? Man, I, I want Keith, more Keith. All right. So thank you, Keith. It's like now Keith and I are closer than ever before. We have, we have, we have shared the same, same bottle. But Romans chapter 8, verse 35. 
says something so beautiful here, guys. It, it, it says this. Let me just read this to you. And, and this was mine, by the way, in, in, a, in a coronavirus season. Like, guys, come on. Like, this is mine. I, all right? I just love the thinking of, you know, kissing Keith. I don't know why. So, yeah. The, uh, but R- Romans chapter 8:35 says, Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation or distress or persecution or famine or nakedness or danger or sword? This is, as it is written, for your sake we are being, being killed all the day long. We are regarded as sheep to be slaughtered. So this is Paul's experience. His, his life is like, hey, I'm being, I'm being slaughtered. That's how my life feels. But I know that no trouble can alienate me from the love of Christ. Listen to verse 32. No, in all these things, we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I am sure. Do you see how you conquer? Through him who loved. Do you see this? We are more than conquerors not through our ability to obey. We're more than conquerors, not through our, our efforts. We're more than conquerors through him who loved us. He is our righteousness. He is our everything, and he is our strength to obey. It has to start with him. If it doesn't, it's religion. And then it goes on to say, for I am sure that neither death nor life Angels, rulers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor powers, nor height, nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus our Lord. Hey, guys, can I tell you that one of the things that love does is is love silences the lies. And here's what the lies say. When tribulation comes, God doesn't love you. When distress comes... That distress says God doesn't love you. When persecution comes, that persecution says God doesn't love you. You're not worth it. You'll never amount. When when famine comes, when danger comes, when sword comes, they, they come with a lie that says God has overlooked you. He does not see you. But the love of God in the midst of all that silences the lie of rejection. Um, I remember when I was in high school, I didn't believe that God loved me. I could have passed a test on it. In fact, I went to the Moody Bible Institute, did really well there, went to Lancaster Bible College, did really well there, graduated with honors, and I was passing tests left and right, left and right. God loves, God loves, God loves, but it's not till about a year and a half ago that I actually started believing that God loves me and that, that, that belief that God loves me, that I'm not a nothing, but God has called me to be a son. Started silencing every lie of rejection in my life that and a whole lot of soul care prayer deliverance and counseling and all of it went back to the to the to the truth of the love of God and rejected you know the lie of rejection needs to be rejected with love and you need to begin to when rejection comes to you you need to reject it saying I know who I am in Christ I'm the beloved Daughter, son, love silences lies. But here's another thing that love does is love speaks to our true identity. Now, guys, um, the, let me talk about true identity. And I want to talk about identity first as a human being, not, not even just a Christ follower. Because when you look at human beings, every single human being, no matter what nationality, no matter what creed, no matter what belief system, every single human being is 
made in God's image. This is what the Bible says in Genesis chapter 26 and 27. That God made people in his image, in the image of God, he created them, male and female, he created them. So every person who's ever been born is, has been made an image bearer. And God's image is this. It's this, it's authority to rule as God's representatives. On earth, we're God's representatives on earth and he's commissioned us. Rule this planet. God's image means this, we've got a capacity for relationship. That, that's different than animals have. God's image means this, that we can reason. God's image means this, that we can speak and communicate on high levels, even higher than dolphins. You know? We don't have to squeak at each other. We can, we can reason and communicate to each other. Uh, uh, being made in God's image means that we are creators and creative. And when we paint and create something, that is something that shows the world that God is a creative God. But here's the thing, that being made in God's image means that we are made with the capacity to love. The capacity to love. And we've been set apart as the highest of all creation. Humanity is God's very good creation. And, and even more than that, the covenant commitment in in human relationships between a man and a woman and marriage is a very, very, very good invention of God. So I, I, I preach this every time I do a wedding, which I've been doing lots of them lately. So you were made in God's image. You are not, listen to this, you are not created out of necessity. Do you hear this? I think some of us, the lies that we hear are God needs me, God needs me to show up, God needs me to do this, God, the reason I was born is because God needed me. Listen, God, is, God does not have some area of flaw in him where he relies on somebody else, meaning you. You don't, you don't fill in for God. God can do whatever he wants and he, he decides to use you. It's a high honor and privilege, but he doesn't, he decides to use you because he wants you and he loves you, not because he needs you. God does not need you. Do you get this? You are not important because of the plans that God has for you. You, listen, you are important because of the image that you bear. The image that you bear. You are created for intimacy, not for necessity. That means God does not need you, but God very much does want you. You are a love child, is who you are. You are the beloved in Christ. You are wanted home in the kingdom. You are created to love and be loved. You're not created to do as much as you're created to be. I feel like you're not getting this. Let me keep going. Uh, it, it says, it, let, let me say this. You don't become valuable when you become a Christian. Okay? You are valuable as an image bearer. Whether you are a Christian or not. So when we look at people, whether they, they're atheist, agnostic, whether they believe in this, that, or the other thing. All right? What we do is, is we look at them as valuable. We don't love people because of what they believe. We love people because we see the image of God on them. And so, so this, is, this is one of the missing pieces in our discipleship. An encounter with the, the love of the Father. An encounter with the love of the Father. An encounter with the love of the Father heals the, heals the lies of the human heart. An encounter with the love of the Father says, there's nothing better or gooder than me, God says. 
encounter with the love of the Father begins to right the wrong that happened in the garden from the liar and the deceiver that said, you should eat what God said not to. He's just holding back from you. He doesn't want what's best for you. And that is the lie that we've all bitten. God doesn't want what's best for me. And here God is saying, you are not the worthless looking for value. You are the valuable in need of adoption. This is the kingdom. And this is what love speaks. John 1.12 says, but to all who did receive him, who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. So you are valuable, but you're not a child in God's kingdom until your faith is in, in Jesus. And what happens when your faith is in Jesus is you become the righteousness of Jesus. So when the Father looks on you, he sees the righteousness of Christ, and then you get adopted into his kingdom, and you get a, you get a new identity, that son or daughter. All right, let me wrap it up. I, uh, I remember some of the places in my heart where I don't believe this or didn't believe this um, were exposed. Uh, about a year ago when I was in Los Angeles and I happened to be staying in a hotel in Los Angeles where Jeremy Riddle, have you guys ever heard of that guy? He, he was staying there too. I, I didn't know. I think he heard that I was gonna be there and then he said, well, Nathan's going to be there. <laughs> I've always wanted his autograph. So I think that I'm going to go there, and that's actually, you guys know that I'm joking, right? If you're new, please. This is, this is just my weird humor. But I remember I was doing an exercise in the, in the hotel's workout room, and they're always small. And Jeremy Riddle comes in and surprised me so bad. It tinkled a little bit, you know. Um, and he gets on the elliptical machine next to me, and I looked at him and tinkled some more. <laughs> and I was like, what? That's Jeremy Riddle. And I remember, like, my first urge as a, as a son was just to be confident and to say, Jeremy, Hey, I know you don't know me, but I'm a pastor from Pennsylvania. I want to guard your workout, but I just want to let you know how much your ministry has meant to me. Be blessed, 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 blessed. God loves you. Keep going for it, man. But what started speaking uh, in me, not out of me, but in me, was an orphan spirit that said this, who are you to talk to Jeremy stinking riddle? See, I, I gave my life to Jesus at seven years old. Uh, but, but I never got healed. I was still broken. And I went to Bible college. I went to graduate school. And those schools were good in institutions in some ways, but what they did is they made me smarter about my fallenness. And they did not serve to actually heal me of my brokenness. And we, we disciple people. That is, the kind of discipleship that, that we disciple people in is like, you're a sinner saved by grace. But the Bible actually says that you were a sinner, now you're a son. What kind of heresy is this? We actually, we actually tell people that you're saved, but we want you to walk in your old identity. And that's not how you get discipled. And that these wonderful institutions that I'm very thankful for never sought my healing and never saw my heart being brought to the place that's in proper alignment with my new identity. It only added information to my woundedness. It only championed my self-loathing. So when I'm around somebody that probably needs a word of encouragement, because people that are on stages as much as Jeremy Riddle need a word. 
they give and they give and they give and they need a word. But it, that fear, that brokenness, that orphanness that was still alive in me silenced my voice. So here's the last thing I want to tell you, that love postures us to receive. Guys, if you want to know what do you do, what do I do with this? What do I do with this? I can't tell you enough. I've been saying this ever since I was a pastor. It's that you don't, the, the, the Christian life is not about rules and regulations and trying and effort and going, white knuckling it and just going, showing up, being faithful. If you're faithful without love, you're just religious. So love postures us to receive. It doesn't take long to discover that it's impossible to love like Jesus loves via effort. It doesn't take long. You get supremely exhausted. In the weddings that I do, if the, if the bride and groom are okay with it, if, some, if they have a, a, a passage of scripture on their heart, sometimes I'll, I'll morph that message to really kind of fit with what's on their heart. But if they say, hey, Nathan, we trust you, free reign to preach, like Carrie and TJ did, right? They're married, very married. But if they say, hey, Nathan, just pre- preach whatever's on your heart, I always preach Ephesians 5. Husbands, love your wives as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her. Husbands, love your wives as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her. Now, it's very easy in that moment when you're at the, at the altar and you're about to kiss and you're about to party and you're about to go somewhere. So this is the easy. But when reality strikes and suddenly you're called upon to love, I've got to love my spouse like Jesus loved me. What? But this isn't just a, a command to husbands. This is a command to Jesus' followers. John 13, 34, 35. I'm just going to read part of it. Jesus says, love one another. Just as I have loved you, you also are to love one another. Oh. Oh, so we're supposed to love others, not how we feel comfortable with, but how Jesus loves. So Jesus is the model. Yes, he is the model. But the heartbeat of this is he's not the model. He's the source, Kimosabi. John 15, 12. Jesus says, this is my commandment, that you love one another as I have loved you. Oh, Jesus, you're the model, I guess. You're the model of my marriage. Well, he is the model. But if he's not the source, if your heart is not postured in a place where you receive his love and then can supernaturally give it away, your life will only be marred by brokenness in your effort. In the kingdom, love is not desperately tried for. Love is received and given away. Love is received and given away. Love is, you don't, you don't dig down deep for love and try really hard. It's not your best efforts. It, it, it takes intentionality, but the intentionality is empowered by, I've received a supernatural love from the Father that I can't keep in this mortal body anymore. It's got to come out. It's got to be released. This is what the church is supposed to carry. Listen, you can't give what you don't possess. Love each other as I have loved you. Well, when a storm comes and that really matters, and what comes out of you is something less than the love of God, did you ever have it? Did you ever have it? And these are questions that God is asking. These are invitations that God is giving. Your marriage needs the love of the Father to succeed. 
Guys, I really believe that the greatest enemy to revival, the greatest enemy of the move of God in our day is the church motivated by something other than the love of God. The church motivated by fear, the church motivated by shame, the, fo- the church motivated by, by some other type of, of compulsion when the, what we are called to be compelled by is the love of Christ, says 2 Corinthians 5. If, if what drives you to obedience is the fear of punishment, you're missing the kingdom. You're, you're not even in it. That we love, 1 John 4, 19, we love because he first loved us. I wrote this this morning, okay? You get, is this good? This morning, you got it? Listen, God is not responding to your love for him. We're responding to his love for us. This is Christianity. This is what it is to follow Jesus. What our spiritual well-being, what, what our, our spiritual growth is hanging on is do I know that 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 the love of God is running after me and that's why I'm still standing. Just God won't stop. He will not stop. He will not stop. He keeps coming, he keeps chasing down, he keeps speaking a better future than the one that I could create or manage on my own. Amen. How many, like, I really think that it's as simple as this today. You just surrender to the love of God. That is totally it. And I think that some of us really need to get very desperate and you actually need to lay on the wet, nasty ground. You need to just stop taking the easy way out and say, yeah, surrender. I'm gonna surrender as I go home and eat. You're not Chick-fil-A, but I wish, right? I, I'm gonna sort of surrender as I go home and just do it. You need to surrender to the love of God right now more radically than you ever have. More radically than you ever have. And so that we would not be driven by anything other than the love of God is coming after us and it's flowing out of us. And this is Christianity. Right, my friend? Okay. He's got ear things and he's not trying to ignore me. Can we pray? Can we just posture ourselves for a second? Maybe kneel at your chair, maybe lay on the ground, maybe just put your arms out like this, maybe wave them over your head, maybe stand your feet. I don't care how you respond. Do something here. So Heavenly Father, we just come before you today. And man, we love when you lead us into storms because you show us how strong you are. And we love to posture ourselves to receive from you. We love gentle reminders that we're not in control. You most definitely are. So God, we just come before you this morning and and we just wanna, we, we just want in a new, fresh way, say, we surrender to your love. Our mind will be, let our minds be full of your love. Let our hearts be inundated with your love. Let your love speak to our new identity in Jesus Christ. And I I just, I I really believe that there's some people here that want this love and they don't know this love because they've never put their faith in Jesus Christ. Today can be the day of salvation to you, for you. As you say, Jesus, forgive me my sins. I've I've left your kingdom and your home and your family. I wanna come home through faith in Jesus right now. I'm not trusting my own efforts. I'm trusting the cross and the empty tomb. I'm coming home. And so God, I just pray this would be a coming home, a surrendering to your love, whether it's prodigals coming home or, or, or just orphans coming home that need adoption. And so God, I just pray that you do something so much bigger and so much greater and so much more wonderful and so much more loving, so much more vast and deep and wide than we could ever ask or imagine. I pray that it's messier than we can know, but I pray that it's better than we can know. God, we don't want 
we don't, we're not asking for things to be put together perfectly. We wanna be a family. We just wanna be a messy family that is lovesick for Father. So God, we bless you. We praise you. We give our hearts and our lives to you right now in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Thank you for listening to this message. We pray that this word will bring light to dark places, life to dead places, hope to desperate places, and heaven to earthly places.